0: Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships, and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centered approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose
1: and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to this Speaking from Our Hearts podcast episode where I'm very pleased and honoured to be interviewing a lady all the way from the United States of America, a lady by the name of Christine Johnson. Um, And Christine will be talking to us about um, social media And under the very curious and almost thought-provoking title of Ain't You Got No Manners. So, (laughs) Kristin, a very warm welcome to you.
0: Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you uh, from across the pond, as it were. And also, I loved your book, uh, Speaking From Our Hearts. That was quite quite the achievement you had and very honest and authentic and open with not only your story and how it came about but all the stories and i love the
1: wow moments thank you I really appreciate that because that's something i am looking to to roll out um, um in, in, into the world on a global um sense because i think the thing is christine and this is the fascination for me really to have this uh, this podcast conversation with you because obviously the social media is so powerful in our worlds today and, you know, whether you're a bit more, dear, I say, it, and how's was this for a label old school like me where you're a bit mm, OK, <laughs> uh, isn't social media? Don't that belong to young people and all these kind of stereotypes? So um, but, you know, irrespective of that sort of limiting belief and that label, Christine, the, the point just hopping back to what you said about speaking from our hearts. My mission um, is actually to get people to a place where people will speak from their hearts, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's through a book, because I think we've all got absolutely invaluable messages to share with the world. You know, some of those are the quiet person, one-to-one, just having a natter, unburdening themselves because of something that's causing them a problem. Or, you know, somebody that's got a really earth shattering message to proclaim to millions to me the principle right. is still the same mm-hmm. I agree so if before we open up the uh, the conversation Christina uh, Christine if I can just for the, the the benefit of the listeners give a little bit of an insight into uh, some research that I've found on social media because there wouldn't be any other way to do it would there <laughs> in the context of this yeah. podcast and it says Christine Johnson is a prize-winning prize finalist writer, blogger, ghostwriting stroke creative writing consultant, screenwriter and editor, a graduate of the former Master of Professional Writing program from the University of Southern California. She has published stroke collaborated on 7 books. Her current book, Ain't You Got No Manners, has been called the bible for social media. So I think a very good starting point, uh, Kristin, would it not? Tell us about your latest book, Ain't You Got No Manners?
0: Well, well, thank you. The title, uh, my editor came up with the title and it really, because my editor is from Texas. And so that's sort of a little bit of Texas flavor, but I think it grabs people's attention. As you said, it's provocative. And really it came about because I, had worked on an etiquette book uh, previous to this. And then for whatever reason, life intervened, timing, whatever, it just didn't take a, take off or get off the ground. And years later, my editor and I were, um, of course, going through our files and she found it in the proverbial drawer and she found she said well i think this etiquette book is still valid and i I said i agree but we'll have to update it and she said you're right the social media has exploded Uh, back when we wrote it there the social media wasn't big Uh, facebook was a gleam in mark zuckerberg's eye and things like that so it was very different and we had to update it and i said well, what about an entire book on social media? And about that time, my late mother, a librarian and teacher, uh, before she raised us, she said that email programs have the think button, have the send button, they have the save button, but they don't have a think button. (laughs) As in, do you really want to post that? Do you really want to send that out in the world? And that is just so... That was such a profound insight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, as human beings, Kristen, we are, and I speak as a massive generalization, of course, but we are emotional creatures by definition. And, And so if somebody kind of irks us significantly, and I'm being polite there, you know, it's, it's I don't know, that sort of need you. Right, okay, and I'm going to tell the world how much I disapprove of you and I don't like you. And oh, by the way, you know that incident way back in 1986? I'm also going to tell the world about that as well. And it's like, hmm, be careful. Just be careful.
0: Exactly. And I just saw a program here, an ad for a company called PC PCmatic that said, hashtag think before you click and which is kind of like related to the think button but not really because the and i'll explain what i mean about the think button in a moment but uh the think before you click is don't click on anything an email link that from somebody that you don't know ransomware whatever just because it might infect your computer yeah. well the concept behind the think button as in pausing before you send something is to is to really think because what you post out in the world might infect your life if that makes sense
1: yes yeah it does Kristen. and what i love what you've said there is i often use um that kind of same metaphoric language when i'm you know when i'm mentoring clients around you know sometimes if we're overwhelmed what um you know we're very confused and our world's upside down Actually, what it's no good just altering a word on the Word document on our screen. What we need to do is go down into our C drive and really look at editing that programme. And that's a great metaphor for me for, you know, as is this think button, have that moment of detachment before you just jump in and let that ego-driven, emotional response um, cost you so dearly in the long run. So yes, I love that that sort of uh, electronic, Uh, stroke computer metaphoric approach because I think it stands true uh, certainly in your industry and in my industry of, um, of life as well I think it's very it crosses all boundaries
0: yes yes I think it I think it does I think you're right we see that over and over again and we see the devastating consequences of what happens on social media from things that people said or did years ago that either uh, they dredge up on Twitter as in the case of, I like to mention, Kevin Hart, who got uh, ejected from posting the Oscars and other people, Roseanne, and things that they've done currently, but also things on the internet that people dredge up and post that they said years ago. Mm -hmm. And so one of my tenants in eight, you got no manners so that even if you're on not on social media you're on social media because somebody is sharing something about you especially if you're a public figure does that make sense
1: it does christine it makes perfect sense and that leads me nicely to to one of your comments and I, yet, yet again i love this because you know i always think the good a sort of good comment or a good sort of principle is something that is universal you know it holds true across any platform Um, and this one that you you put out there you may not have a choice about what gets shared about you how it gets shared or how people react but you do have a choice as to how you react and i think yet again that is a superb metaphor for life because isn't it true certainly within my world of personal development that you know Sort of highlighting to people that the reality of life and events they are neutral everything around us is neutral the only power it has is the power that we choose to give it so it's that kind of what happens in your world um, happens it's happening around you but the big thing is how you react to it the power that you give it um, and one of the the great examples yes. to put that into context, Christine, that I use is a simple football match. So you know there'll be, um, say, um, say Manchester United playing Manchester City in England, of which it's going to be uh-huh. a capacity crowd. It's going to be around seventy thousand. Assuming logically, it's whichever stadium it's at. It's going to be split down the middle. It doesn't quite work that way, but for the sake of this. Uh, insight. So you've got 35,000 that wear blue of Manchester City. You've got 35,000 that wear red of Manchester United. Now, whatever the result is, is the result. It doesn't matter because if it's a draw, then you could say, theoretically, half, you know both halves are going to be happy because neither side have lost. If one side wins, they're going to be elated. Say Manchester United win 1-0. 35,000 people are going to be absolutely elated. The other 35,000 blue people are going to be exactly that, blue. But it doesn't matter because the result is the result. It's just that 70,000 people have chosen to give it a different meaning.
0: That makes definite sense. And we certainly see that in all areas, in entertainment, in art, in certainly in politics. I mean, of course, uh, the world, the time that we live in with politics, especially with social media and the way that it uh, pretty much whips up the conversation into a frenzy is is definitely interesting. So it's worth remembering that, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. We all have a different interpretation. We all have a different uh, point of view, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on. And that leads me to a story that I talk about in the book. I actually contacted a filmmaker named Joe McGovern, and he happens to be a, a liberal Democrat here in the United States. And he is very, uh, very passionate about his beliefs. But some time ago, he came to realize, hey, maybe instead of demonizing the other side conservatives, Republicans, I should, uh, the way that we tend to do, I should go and talk to them and see how we're, maybe what their beliefs are, why do they believe it? And he did that, and he did a documentary. Now, I know that um, you have people that are very passionate pro and con about Brexit. You have, uh, obviously, in the United States, you know, uh, President Trump, there's plenty of opinions swirling around that. But, the, and I'm sure other countries definitely have disagreement Worldwide, although there are some countries where you're not permitted to disagree, I think North Korea would be one of them. But certainly you have all kinds of debate and this tendency to view the other side as evil. And so what I think Joe McGovern did was very, very admirable. And even though he may not necessarily agree with the people he interviewed for his documentary, he came away with a new respect. He was able to ask them questions and have that kind of old fashioned debate that's gone by the wayside recently. And what happened and I interviewed him via email and he said, you know, if you're interviewing, if you're getting upset with someone on Facebook, you know, say, uh, why do you think that way? This is how I see it. Does it seem that way to you? And, that may not always be the best forum to do that with facebook and social media but and some people may not want to do that you know for fear of expressing their opinion reprisals online online attacks and so forth so it's really very difficult to be authentic sometimes but i think that sometimes it's just worth trying to pause and remember that we do have different interpretations. Mm. Oh, Does that make sense?
1: It makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So did you have a ha-ha moment, Kristen, that caused you to take on the social media cause?
0: You mean... A- you mean a wow moment?
1: A wow. Well, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Back to the book. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, a wow moment. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Whatever the uh, most um, appropriate terminology is. Yeah.
0: I think it wasn't one thing, really. I think it was a collection of things. I think it was a collection of remembering over the years things that I'd said. Uh, out of uh, the pro- that I probably shouldn't have said on email or social media, although rarer on social media because I tend to keep it pretty tame. But it was just a collection of seeing family and friends and things like that. Well, mostly friends uh, and their experiences with social media. And I do have two young people in my life, my niece and my nephew, and seeing how they react to this technology is and and they've been really amazing in terms of opening my eyes to how this social media is affecting the kids and how they view it and so and so on and so it really wasn't one thing where I thought thought oh aha this bad thing happened to me on social media or i made this mistake on social media or someone else made this mistake on social media was just accumulation, cumulative, looking at everything and just seeing the big picture.
1: Mm. Yeah, I understand that. Because I think, uh, you know, when we talk about eureka moments in life generally, Kristen, I think there's very few of us that... If we're if we're truly honest, have those massive sort of blinding lights, those eureka moments, as you quite rightly allude to there. It's usually a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of the other, and all of a sudden, okay, I'll I'll act upon this.
0: Exactly, because I don't think other than really really blinding epiphanies that sort of smack you upside the head, they most people come to awareness through. A lot of experience and a lot of observation and some of it may be subconscious that we're mm. that we're processing but somehow we come to it without realizing how and then and then in the back uh we cl- we connect the dots
1: yes yes i agree with that so have you personally experienced any social media gaps
0: let me think about that for a moment i uh, you mean you mean that I've done, or that or that I've seen other people do?
1: Well, both really, Kristen. Um, if we could, you know, um, it's always interesting, obviously, while we've got the guest on the spot, so to speak, to uh, um, you know, to to dig down and uh, and see if there is any, any sort of personal angle on that.
0: Well, I haven't done anything that I would consider oh oh my God, epic fail or any anything like that. Hmm. I mean, for me, mostly mostly it's been well there's a, well there's one thing that i can definitely say that was a that was kind of not a non epic fail but a warning light and it was sort of i was at a conference i was at a writers conference and the everything was so exciting and i was so intrigued to share all the insights from these incredible authors and speakers and the people that I attended the conference with and the instructors. So I would post on Facebook where I was, what my location was in addition to, because, you know, on Facebook, you have the check-in location, things like that. And a lot of people do that. But somebody in my family told me, hey, you probably shouldn't do that because the criminals are can know that you're away. They'll Suspect that you're away, or so forth, because they do surf the web for that kind of that kind of thing. They surf the web for people who are going to be on vacation, and they check social media and so and so on. I mean, anything you can check on social media. Now, I've I've heard that uh, the Social Security office here in the United States is uh, cracking down to see if people are committing disability fraud. Based on some of the pictures that they're posting on social media, but the thing is, those pictures may may not always be accurate because somebody could post a picture of you water skiing from ten years ago before you had a social before you had an accident and couldn't water ski and uh, the. They could just say, oh, that's today. They're committing fraud or something like that. So there's plenty of room for misinterpretation there. But I kind of learned that not to post, really post my location unless, especially if I'm out of town.
1: Mm. What's the best thing, Kristen, you've seen someone do online through their social media accounts?
0: Um, that's, that's a difficult thing. I think the one that I really noticed and I interview this in the book I I talk about this in the book is a lady named Valpreet Kaur and at the time I interviewed her she was a she she was a premed student and I'm not sure that uh, she not sure what what her status is now but she was she was a premed in 2012 which is not when I interviewed her and she so, was in line to get uh something to eat some breakfast after an exam in the morning and somebody took a photo of her and posted it to the social sharing site reddit uh, and you know commentary site reddit and they said and they put the caption i'm not sure what to make of this because now to Give your listeners a little bit of context. Bapri Kaur is a sick, Sikh. S i k h. She's of the Sikh faith, and she they don't believe in modifying the body at all. And she was born with a with a hormonal condition where she grow where she grew a lot of facial facial hair. So, essentially, she had a beard. She has a beard, and so somebody was posting this picture and commenting and in probably not the best best way and in a very invasive way, privacy way, invasion of privacy way. And I think we all do this. We've all laughed at uh, weird pictures that people post online and probably there's some reason we do that. But sometimes there are people behind that and you know and we don't know somebody's circumstances so and it's easy to catch anybody you know off guard so when this happened of course people attacked the guy and she went on reddit and and said you know this is what i believe this is my faith this is what we believe about the body these are the tenets, and the response was really overwhelming and Huffington Post named her Religious Person of the Year and the guy apologized to her and it was just completely a wonderful example of having a dialogue with somebody moving beyond using it as a teachable moment a wow moment again and I was able to interview her and she said she actually felt bad for the guy because everybody was attacking him and she thinks that She thought that uh, it was uh, an interesting part to, uh, interesting way to illustrate her faith, but of course she was taken aback because somebody just did this thing and posted uh, her in a moment where you wouldn't expect somebody to post a photo, but she handled it beautifully. And that's one of the favorite things I like to tell about social media, one of my favorite stories.
1: Mm, because when all said and done it you know it is a tool isn't it and you know as much as bad press um, social media can get I think sometimes we overlook the fact that it's a tool you know it doesn't put this post out itself somebody has to take the responsibility you know the tool's only as good or as bad as the the person that's using the tool and I think sometimes Kristen we um, that that fact's overlooked.
0: Well, exactly, but there's, but I want to challenge that uh, assertion too, because uh, there's this doesn't happen happen in a vacuum. Yes, we're responsible. Absolutely. We are responsible. Uh, I think, for putting down the phone, logging off the Facebook, and things like logging off Facebook, logging off uh, Twitter and things like that, and just not being on all the time. And uh, Jenna Diabila, the, uh, the commentator has said, has written a book called Do Not Disturb and talked about how we prevent uh, cell phones and social media from taking over our lives, which they have for mm. many people.
1: Mm.
0: But I think it's also worth remembering that the companies, Apple, Facebook, some of the others have admitted that it's their mission to keep you using their devices what they call brain hacking so i think that there's some manipulation going on in the in the industry with the cell phones and things like that to make to make them more appealing to make you want to stay them on them longer and certainly you know there's the social social aspect the I mean, as, as in the broader social, not, not the social media, as in mm. the broader society, there's a peer pressure, if you will. But ultimately, you have the choice. You're right. It is a tool, and you have the choice.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the key word, Christine, for me, choice. Uh, and I absolutely embrace what you've said about, you know, the manipulation from, um, you know, glossy marketing companies, you um, yeah, I, I absolutely buy all that. But I think ultimately when we strip it all back and that is, you know, that's about raising awareness, isn't it? And when we do raise awareness, it is, it, it comes down to a basic choice that we have as as individuals.
0: Right. Because we do have free will and we do have, um, and cell phones do have do not disturb settings and off buttons. And obviously, you know, if it's an emergency, it's, and there aren't, hard and fast rules i mean some of these aren't hard and fast rules like oh you should never be on your cell phone at the dinner table well uh that's i think that there's kind of a medium between um everybody being on their cell phones and nobody talking to each other which is something i have seen i don't know if you personally have seen that where you live but i've seen it and uh and it's uh always amazing to me but there's a happy medium between that and absolutely no cell phones at the dinner table ever because you can't really do that. People have work, people have um, commitments, and children that they're, you know, what if something's up with the children or with an elderly parent or, or with something? So, so you just kind of have to really balance it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As a
0: professional. What
1: about Sorry, what about this, you?
0: Um, what about, um, what are your views on cell phone etiquette and what have you personally observed?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, certainly I can remember when mobiles first came out a few years ago and it used to drive me absolutely spare because you'd be on, say, public transport or bus bus or what have you, and then you know, somebody'd be on there and it's like, look, I've got a phone and and I'm talking to my to my mate and I'm telling him or her about, you know, what new toothpaste I'm using. Um and I'm using this and this is how I filtered it and perceived it at the time, Kristen, as it's like my need for significance. Cause you everybody on this bus, you will listen to me whether you want to or not. So mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got, a, I mean, I actually went on record, uh, this is around 2000, saying, over my dead body, will I ever have one of those things called mobile phones? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, to, sort of less than two decades later, Kristen, you know, because of the way society is for, you know, the points you've mentioned, and the way, you know, business has progressed and life's progressed and, and all those kind of things. To think of life now without a phone <laughs> is absolutely unthinkable. So I, I kind of yes. use that example to set a general tone. In terms of etiquette, I'm still quite conservative in certain views personally around, well, actually, we've come out for you know a lunch a dinner, notwithstanding there might be a critical scenario. Um, but I would offer that if the situation was potentially that critical one wouldn't be going out to dinner or socialising anyway. So I almost rightly or wrongly, Christine, contrived this kind of black and white scenario of business is business um, and social is social and neither the two will mix. Well, actually, life, as we know, is not that black and white. And so mm-hmm. it's then kind of, I suppose, when, when we go into that grey area of, of like, you know, the context of going for a social... Um, gathering if you like and just say to your friends or or whoever it may be by the way i've got to have the phone here today because of um is that okay so at least you and it goes it back really uh christine to your your concept of manners because at least you've been civil and, and dignified enough to say to people look i know this you know this can be an intrusion um but do you mind uh, and unless there's a really strong, you know, which if he was amongst friends, they, they usually wouldn't be, but unless there was a real sort of strong rebellion to say, well, absolutely, yeah, I do mind, actually. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of a bit conservative, really, where uh, where that's concerned.
0: But, but it just goes down to, to consideration, consideration and, and, awareness. and awareness, really. really. Situation. really. situation situation awareness. Yeah. 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 We all understand that. that. That work that work, that work intrudes, and we all understand, understand that, uh, that there's, there's there are family and demands, demands and things like that, and emergent emergencies. For example, uh, you know, if you're taking care of an elderly parent, and, and something's something's really critical, or it, or if uh, you're you're a caregiver at all, and you just need to be, you know, within reach of the phone. I don't think that. Many people would would object to you having the phone on the table, saying, "Saying, oh, it's, oh, it's my brother. It's my, it's my child. It's my dad. It's my mom. It's my grandparent. Whatever, whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, I just need to be to be alert, and everybody would be sympathetic. I mean, anybody with with half a uh, with half common sense or." have uh, especially if you're all friends would would be would definitely be sympathetic so i i think that's i think people understand
1: that mm. as i say i think you know to encapsulate it uh, from from these various perspectives, i think it, your your title of your book christine ain't you got no manners is, is absolutely perfect it is a question of manners and courtesy just to say look you know x y and z is that okay uh, and as you say, most people are not even going to sort of bat an eyelid, but at least you've been civil enough and courteous enough to say, look, this I'm expecting a call, or whatever that situation may be. Mm-hmm. So as a professional writer, what do you feel it is, Christine, makes you qualify to give advice and information on how to use social media?
0: That is a great question because I'm not a psychologist or, or a... Um... Or an IT professional, but I am a an observer, a very a very keen observer. And you know, I, I would leave. I would definitely leave a lot of the um, you know psychological or so forth, um, legal and technical aspects to to some of the professionals. And I would have direct people to. You know really really wonderful work on the subject like uh, parent alert which is uh, nadia sawalha and i'm i'm blanking i'm blanking on the co-authors names but uh will get nadia sawalha and i will and i will remember in a minute but that's a wonderful work that i refer to uh, in terms of uh if anybody is interested as a parent in terms of security and how to keep your kids safe, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful tool. And also, I would refer to uh, Mark Goodman's book, Future Crimes, which is an excellent book for internet security yeah. and so forth. So, so I think that I I'm a researcher. I'm a research as a writer. I'm a researcher at heart and if i don't know the answer i can definitely provide i can definitely research and point people to the answer mm-hmm. so i guess around the about is is i'm a commentator and i'm an observer
1: Kristen, you've publicly refused to use the facebook app why is that
0: well i think that i think that it's uh, it's a distraction on the phone for one it it's definitely you know, you you would be tempted to use it all the time, but my main concern is security, and by by that I mean that it's listening to you, and you can have the Facebook app on, and even if you're not really actively using it, it can listen to you, listen to the music you're you're listening to, and uh, recommend things for you, and it's just really. Uh, a safety issue, and I just came up with that. Remembered that uh, book, Parent Alert: How to Keep Your Kids Safe Online. I reviewed it for Amazon. It's by uh, Will Geddes and TV security expert and TV presenters in Britain, Nadia Sawalha and Kay Adams. So it's an excellent book. And anyway, with the Facebook app, I would just the same reason I don't have an Alexa it's just a security issue because I know that people that have Alexa and love an Alexa I'm just not sure about all the data that's stored on there or where it's going or I've heard of things that happen on Alexa where somebody keeps ordering something a child keeps ordering a bunch of things and you know it's 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 just very easy to trade this uh, convenience for for our security. and I think it's probably a delicate balance. We're being monitored all the time anyway and we're being tracked and to a certain extent we've bought into that but you can limit what's what you do and what you allow.
1: Mm, definitely. Disappearing messages, Christine, what's your, what's your thoughts around disappearing messages? do they truly disappear or are they, are they still somewhere, even though we can't see them, are they still somewhere out there? Well, uh, that's a great
0: question too. And uh, I don't know if you have a lot of experience with Snapchat or any of those apps, do you?
1: No, I don't, Christine, no.
0: <laughs> Neither do I terribly, but I do know that, yes, they do disappear. I. There's some some debate about that, but yes, they generally disappear. But the only downside is that like anything else on the internet, they can be captured. They can be captured and shared. Somebody can repost them, screenshot them and so forth. It's So nothing on the internet really stays permanent. There's, there's a lot of example, nothing on the internet stays deleted. An excellent example would be the Wayback Machine, uh, where the current controversy is that uh, the former head of Greenpeace in Canada has gotten in a bit of trouble for openly uh, criticizing uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez here in the U.S. on Twitter. And he's kind of gone on the record as a climate change skeptic, and as a result, Greenpeace kind of scrubbed him from their website but if you look at the wayback machine he's on there you you know you can pull up a snapshot of the website and and uh, he's he was associated with Greenpeace so it's kind of like people forget sometimes that it's still possible to retrieve something on the internet even if even if you deleted it so that's my take on disappearing messages
1: mm. Yeah, I think it comes down to uh, where somebody wants to find something. Uh, where there's a will, there's a way. At the risk of being cliched, mm-hmm. mm. about the most glaring blunders you've seen on, on, say, on business accounts, for example.
0: That's a good question. I think that I think that sometimes when a business, when a business account, I I remember that there was a story in my book where someone posted an email to, I think it was from a clothing store, uh, a very high-end clothing store, and they were just, the customer service rep was just criticizing, very much criticizing uh, the customer and just saying, well, that sort doesn't shop here. Our our stores for, you know, certain people and so forth. And there's also, there's many, many examples of, customer service reps sending just emails that you wouldn't think someone in business who's trained to deal with the public would send. And of course I know that people can be difficult, customers can be difficult, but again, and I'm sure there are many emails that are abusive from customers too. And I would advise them to pause and sort of hit the think button and state their complaint in a very, very, very calm way. I, I think that sometimes we just, because of the ease of the communication, we just do things that we wouldn't do if we were in line at a store and talking to an actual uh, customer service representative or cashier or something like that. What do you think?
1: Yeah. Um, it's it's an interesting one. Um, I mean, I'm personally, I'm very much, um, I like to speak to people because I think first and foremost, we are, you know, we're creatures of of, of that basic need to communicate the body language. And obviously, you know, just as we're speaking now, uh, Kristen, you know, you're in America. I am in, I'm actually in Spain at the moment, um, originally from the UK. But, you know, through this... Mar- it's probably
0: mar- beautiful there in Spain. How yes. is it?
1: Uh, it? It is, as you say, beautiful. Um, you know, we, we alter the clocks here in uh not this this Sunday the following Sunday um, and so the you know we get an extra hour kind of thing um, yeah it, it's it's a very very nice time of year in what is technically still sort of uh, oh, it's not winter I think it's 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 threatening spring Kristen but the reality is certainly in southeast Spain here we don't really get a winter as such. you might get the odd day um, and I'll be honest with you, you're glad of that, that odd day of rain and, and, and that kind of thing, because once it does sort of kick into sort of late March, um, you know, you're in for very, very, very consistent hot weather to the point where a lot of people struggle with it. And particularly the Spanish, they actually in sort of June, July, August, they, they leave Spain and go to other parts of Europe where it's cooler because they, they find it too uncomfortable. You know these are people that are born and bred here and are, you know are used to it so so lovely... i've heard
0: that yeah. I've, I've definitely heard that i think it, it's the same in any other hot climate where you can basically leave uh, like the uh, desert of the southwest of the united states or any other uh very 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 hot climate people tend to go to cooler climates uh, escape to the beach so to speak
1: but what I personally appreciate it and one of the conscious decisions, Christine, for me to come out here sort of permanent stroke semi-permanent was actually the culture and that more manana mm-hmm. laid back way of being and that, that respect for their elders and that ability where, you know, you'll go in a typical Spanish restaurant and you will see the matriarch head up the table um, and there will not be any phones at the table or anything like that, that very old school way of being that, you know, where families talk to each other and, you know, and all this kind of, and I just find that so refreshing, you know, that order, that family order. And I think, you know, that has been lost and, uh, you know, I wouldn't blame social media necessarily for that. Um, I think it's impinged upon it somewhat, but yeah, that's one of the things that, um, you know, I do appreciate that around the Spanish culture, you know, not just the weather. It, it is, as you quite rightly say, a beautiful part of the world.
0: Well, you uh, I'm I read in your I read in your book. I mean, I think I think that's something that you you value. I think that you learn to value from from growing
1: up. Yes, it is. Um, Because, yeah, it was. I mean, ironically, not through, you know, obviously, my first seven years before The Beast came on the scene, then, yes, um, um, I did. And then, obviously, from the age of eight eight onwards is when the, you know, the dramatic downward spiral kicked in. I mean, interestingly, on that book that you're referring to with the 17 um, 17 co-authors, Christine, 16 other global co-authors, um, somebody challenged me on that book afterwards and she said it's a great read but do you know what Paul I'm I'm frustrated with your story and I said why and she said because you've took us to places and then left us hanging that's not a good read she said you must write a follow-on book that doesn't make any reference to any other co-author it's about you and where you've took us to certain parts in that speaking from our hearts book that you allude to there christine get down dirty and deep around the x y and z of what really happened that night that day that year and so i wrote a follow-up almost an autobiographical account really uh, called emerging from the forest which was around my um, early years Um, the addiction that i had my addictive mindset um, the allegiance the addictive allegiance i had to my football club which was nottingham forest Hence the title, Christine, emerging from the forest because that football club, I I gave all that power away. I needed a reason to live. I needed something to believe in at a very early age when everything around me was falling apart, i.e. my family life. Um, And my late mother, bless her, she did the best she could to to hold it together. But she was taking beatings as well. So, you know, she was not in a good place herself. So, um, as I say, I wrote the follow on emerging from the forest and that metaphorical journey was I'm actually emerging from the dark forest now because you Nottingham Forest, you don't have any hold over me anymore. You're a football team and whether you win, lose or draw, it's out of my hands and quite frankly... Um, it won't influence my life one way or the other it'll give me momentarily happiness if on a saturday you manage to scrape a win or or whatever that's great but you know what conversely if you get beat that's also fine because my life is my life and and events in life are neutral so i'm glad you mentioned that because it gave an opportunity there uh, to bring, you know, to bring in and take that control back, but reinforce more importantly, Kristen, the, the value of family life. And, and I don't necessarily mean in a biological sense, because as we know in life, you know, we can create great bonds with people that, you know, some of the closest people in my life are not family. Um, so right. I, I don't subscribe to this old adage Um, of blood is thicker than water. I absolutely do not subscribe to that because I think biologically you can be linked to somebody, but actually, you know, in a real sense, in a day-to-day pragmatic, you you just don't get along. So, you know, for me, it's about relationships. The power of relationships is about having a a shared vision, shared values. uh, And I absolutely love that, as I say, that old school family way of being, the matriarch in Spain, so yeah, a bit of a long winded answer, Kristen, but hopefully that answers the, uh, the, uh, the question.
0: Well, you, you probably didn't expect to answer, answer <laughs> a question. You're, you're the, you're the interviewer, but I was just so interested when I, when I read that book, I told you I'm a researcher and, mm. um, I just buy your story and everyone's stories. And I'm glad you did write that, that follow-up book. And I'm glad that, uh, The writing the book was brought you to those wow moments and helped you helped you because that's kind of kind of the power of that's the power of words and we live of course we live in a society with not only words but pictures Instagram video and things like that and so much can be said but I still think there's tremendous power. In the written
1: word, absolutely, yeah. Um, and for me, I know we spoke very, very briefly, um, Kristen, I'm, You know, I suppose we're going slightly away from the, uh, well, we're going quite a bit away from the sort of specifics of social media per se. But I think it's such a a valuable conversation with insights to be shared for for the listeners around this, you know, this game of life that we play. And, and, you know, for me, one of the things I've learned from years of, you know, labels, having labels and being suppressed and being all these limiting beliefs and this, you know, these addictions and, and all this kind of negative stuff that dominated my life uh, for, for so many years is now I actually realize the power of speaking from our hearts and that, you know, having the courage and having somebody put that metaphoric arm around your shoulder and believe in you. You know to encourage you to speak from your heart because the power that goes with that release rather than internalizing that, that toxicity and all that that stuff that goes with it um is truly truly liberating and that was my kind of breakthrough that was my massive wow very difficult for me to pick out one primary wow um Christian but that would certainly be up there it is that um you know that that desire, that passion to speak from your heart. If you speak to one person, that's great. If you address a nation, that's great. There is no right, there is no wrong. But it's it's about that that's a very big step for me on that first journey to choosing love over fear.
0: Well said. Beautiful beautifully, beautifully said. And I think that sometimes and I've read this that sometimes with social media there was another book called untangled that, that that's a wonderful book about raising teenage girls and that i reviewed and they talked about and the author talked about um kids using social media to vent their feelings instead of trying to trying to deal with them and i've been on other podcast parenting podcast in which they talked about that kids need to be, learn how to handle this these conflicts and things like that and mm-hmm. and be able to express themselves and with each other and it's and it's hard for kids it's hard for adults as you say it's hard for a lot of us just because it's and maybe that is one of the reasons why we see so many um, Outbursts on social media is because it's a, it's i I'm not making excuses for anybody's behavior, but it's sort of like the things we feel we can't say in our waking life. We turn to, to the computer, and of course, you know, once it gets in, into the computer, it's on. It takes on a life of its own. So it's hard to try to learn how to express that. Face to face or in a phone conversation. Does that make sense?
1: It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I've um, regularly said, um, Kristen, is, you know, speaking about one of your fellow Americans, um, an eminent coach, Tony Robbins, around what Robbins speaks around, you know, the two commonalities that we have um, in life, irrespective of whether we're, you know, where we are in the world, man, woman, black, white, gay, straight, it's irrelevant. Um, but you know that I'll never, I'll never be good enough, and I'll never be loved, um, and that fear of losing love. If we are, I would love to have a conversation with Tony Robbins and challenge him and say, do you know I agree with both of those, both from my own personal experience and the countless number of people that I've spoken to over decades, Kristin. But do you know what? I'd throw a third in there. We need to be heard everybody needs to be heard and we need to be heard by speaking from our heart because that is where the healing takes place
0: i i agree and it's difficult because there are things that you you uh, don't want to say because it either in a text or whatever because you you don't want to hurt somebody or or cause a cause a conflict or things like that and, and it's hard to handle, con and it's very hard to handle conflicts. So anyway, it's, it's difficult, but sometimes, and this is why people get into trouble with texting and things like that. And of course, with autocorrect, you say things that you didn't mean to say, and you don't have the context of, you know, facial expressions and things like that. And it's too easy to to overreact to someone. But one of the things I've learned to say, well, what do you mean? How do you mean? Because that was always uh, one of my late mothers and one of her friends ideas, is that you can say, how do you mean? Because sometimes we are quick to to react from our stuff.
1: Mm. So by way of closing, Christine, I mean, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation. And I thank you, I thank you dearly for that. but I want you to have the last word. I want you to leave our listeners with one, if you like, to use, you know, um, a reminder you gave me about the word wow. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, what would be your one, if you could pick one, maybe you can't, Kristen, but what would be your one sort of massive wow, your parting shot to listeners in in the context of, um, you know, the hashtag think?
0: I, think? I think the massive wow would be that don't, overthink paralysis of analysis, yeah. but just consider, you know, in the moment, what impact do you want to have on your own life, on your family's life? And that includes uh, family, chosen family, on on the world, on your community, on your work, on whatever, uh, What what impact do you want to have? And, but at the same time, you have to realize that we're not. There's definitely a statute of limitations for behavior that we're not we're not proud of, and that there has to be some sort of self forgiveness and forgiveness of others and acceptance, because we all we all make mistakes, and when we and as Maya Angelou said, when we know better, we do better, and that's, I think, a good idea for social media, just to not be hindered by the past, but to do better in the present and just keep thinking.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. So finally, Christine, we started obviously this, uh, this podcast conversation at the top of it. Um, I introduced the, um, the thought provoking, I think that's a good way to describe it. Ain't you got no manners? So how can people uh, get a get a copy of that book? You know, how can they reach out to you? How can they contact you if they want to know more about you and um, you know your your world around social media? What what's the media the best medium for contact with that, Kristen?
0: Well, eight uh, you can get Ain't you got no manners on uh, the eight hundred pound gorilla Amazon and probably Barnes and Noble too,
1: okay.
0: and also uh, the amazon.com and Smashwords.com. There's also my website, kristinjohnson.net. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N.net. And the blog site for the book, which I sometimes post to is augnm.com. And so that's where people can find me. So I encourage people to read it and start conversations of their own.
1: Excellent. Kristen. it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Likewise. I, I, thank you. Um,
0: keep, I, enjoy, keep enjoying Spain and have some uh, beautiful uh, uh, tapas and um, some wonder some of that wonderful uh spanish food for me
1: absolutely <laughs> I'll, certainly, I'll certainly do my best sir. so there you have it listeners and i want you know to reinforce um i think it's an absolutely amazing title and i just want to you know i just i just like saying it because i think it's fantastic and i want to leave you with this um for me this wow um and it is ain't you got no manners hearts helping everyone achieve results towards success.